Tony Pike waits for the snap, has the football, short drop, bobs one down the sideline for Bins. he's got it, touchdown, touchdown! Jaron dribbles into the front court, drives to the bucket, his shot, no good, put back up and in by Trayvon Scott, Cincinnati by one. Down in seven for the Red Hawks with a three-point lead. Game on the line on this play. Ragland waits for the shotgun snap, extends the hands, catches the ball. He's looking to throw from the one. His pass. Intercepted. Yeah. Yeah. to the yeah. end zone. Touchdown. Bearcats. Yeah. Shot it. He's picked it off. And Cincinnati has the lead. With one seven to go. Left. Copain driving to the bucket. Bank shot around the rim. It's good. It's good. It counts. It's good. And we're going to overtime. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Go Beer Cats podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. And if you're finding yourself listening to the podcast for the very first time, you've found a podcast that is going to talk about the UC Bearcats football win this week and also talk about the Big 12 expansion. We're going to, uh, we have two awesome guests this week uh, in one episode. It's probably going to be a longer episode, but uh, one of the one of the better ones that I've, I've done so far. Uh, the first guest that we're going to talk to this week is uh, Philip from the 1012 Network. Uh, the 1012 Network is a uh, network of different podcasts and uh, social media groups that all focus on the Big 12. Uh, he'll explain that to you a little bit more once we get him on the phone here. Uh, we'll talk to him about uh, the official news that broke on friday houston central florida byu and cincinnati all going to the big 12 in the coming years so we'll get his reaction and talk a little bit of big 12 uh, with philip from the 1012 network and then part two i have a very special guest none other than a former safety for the university of cincinnati football bearcats he played from 2013 to 2016 you know him as zach edwards reached out to him on Twitter uh, a while ago and said he's always down to talk Bearcats football. So he's going to uh, talk about the first two weeks here and, as well as the big game coming up this Saturday in Bloomington against Indiana. So a uh, loaded podcast here this week. Going to be a longer one, packed full of good stuff, though. Uh, let's get into it here. Beer of the podcast, that's always first. I'm drinking a Space Metal Dinosaur. Uh, saw this in the cooler uh, right away. It sounded very interesting. Got me with the name from Lone Pine Brewing in Portland, Maine. 7.8% hazy double IPA. Uh, so let's see how she's drinking. Solid, hazy. Not very hoppy as the hazies tend to be. Very approachable IPA. Solid. I'll give it a three. Three and a half. I think that that's solid here. I'll be sipping on that for the rest of the show. It's a longer one. Might have to throw another one in here, uh, depending on how this goes. So let's uh, let's hop on here with Philip. Let's talk first some some Big Twelve expansion and uh, and what that means for UC and and the other eleven schools that uh, will now be joined together here in the coming years. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the first guest of our podcast this week is Philip from the 1012 network uh, after the news broke of Cincinnati and the other schools joining the big 12 
I went on Twitter to try to find some different accounts that I thought I should be following to keep up on all news that is Big 12. I found the network, uh, the 1012 network here, and I reached out to Philip, who agreed to come on and answer some questions for me and talk a little bit about uh, the exciting news here for us. So here he is. Philip, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Um, I do think exciting is the right word to look at it. Um, look, I, I get that, that. I say this on our show, the 1012 podcast, the flagship show of the 1012 network. And I, and I say this on the show often. Uh, oftentimes, two things can't be true. Uh, the four teams joining the conference might not necessarily be uh, replacing Oklahoma and Texas and what they brought, but. I, as, as a fan of the Big 12 and the conference as a whole, I am I am excited for Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU uh, to join the conference and to see what things look like once uh, once we're uh, back to the uh, the appropriate number of 12 teams uh, as we should be. Right. That's that. I'm glad that they they went for that uh, for that number in this uh, this this uh, version of realignment. But before we get into this too far, uh, tell uh, Bearcat fans um, a little bit more about uh, what the 1012 Network is and, and what you guys uh, do and where to find you. Yeah, so um, I'm the host of the 1012 Podcast. We are the, the podcast that covers, <laughs> at the moment, all 10 teams of the Big 12 Conference. Uh, I started the show probably about three years ago, and then this summer, uh, we, we, for about a few months, we were doing a lot of planning. I wanted to to expand our efforts. Um, over the time that I have been covering the Big Twelve and podcasting, I've just I, I've had the opportunity to talk with a lot of great people, um, and, and I wanted to grow the show into a full network that was just geared toward the Big Twelve conference. Um, obviously, our 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 news came, our launch date came like two weeks after the all of this expansion stuff hit, which was just excellent timing. Let me tell you, uh, <laughs> you know, you know what they say about, uh, about making plans. Um, so the goal of the network is to have one show uh, for each school in the, in the conference. And of course our flagship show, the 10 podcast, uh, and then a few sports specific shows. We have the Midwest madness podcast, which is our men's and women's basketball podcast hosted by Christine Butterfield, which is really great. Uh, at the moment, we have uh, a Kansas show called Rock Chat Podcast, uh, hosted by my good friend Andy Mitz, who co-hosts the 1012 with me. Uh, we have Fire the Cannon, which is our Texas podcast. Yeah, we're keeping Texas around. Uh, we have uh, the Funky Frog Podcast, which is our, uh, our TCU show. Um, as I mentioned, the Midwest Madness Podcast, and then the 1012 Podcast as well. And then the Raspy Voice Kids, uh, which is hosted by uh, Brandon and Jeremy Phoenix, which is our West Virginia show, which is a lot of fun. So... We're at six shows right now. Uh, we'll continue to grow this network uh, with a with a specific goal of uh, promoting and talking about the Big 12 Conference, um, whatever it will look like as, as it goes through the next few years and, and comes out on the other side with four new teams. So, um, yeah, that's that's what we are. That's what we're about. Uh, and uh, I'm really excited to uh, – I know we've got some Cincinnati followers of the 1012 Network Twitter account right now. I'm, I'm very excited to start talking about Cincinnati and Houston and UCF and BYU uh, a little bit here and, and continue to do so more and more as, as we get closer to whatever whatever year and date it is that they finally uh, join us. Yeah, well, that that's coming up on the questions, something that we'll definitely uh, touch on here. Uh, but you know, just to get things kicked off here, talking about this this expansion, what were your what are your thoughts on on the four new teams that will be joining? I mean, I think it's, and I understand when I say this 
to say it's the most boring four teams to add, I mean that from the standpoint of like, it's the most obvious four teams to add. Like, it, it, it was such a kind of like, okay, well, I mean, and we sit here and debate it. Well, oh, boys, the state get a shot. Will Memphis get a shot? Um, I know there was a few other teams people wanted to bring up, but these are the four schools that seem the most obvious. Um, you know, we, we all had opinions about those four. I, I understand why some don't care for Houston. I'm not, I'm not psyched for Houston, but I'm an Oklahoma State fan, and from a recruiting standpoint, that's just another mouth to feed. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but like at the same time, I think. You have to look at everything through a realistic perspective. And Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. There are no two schools you're going to bring in that are immediately going to replace what, what Oklahoma and Texas brought. Um, but this conference has been dominated by Oklahoma in football. Um, and so to, to have Oklahoma and Texas go to the SEC, bring in four schools who will be competitive, are fun to watch, have solid fan bases, um, and are in different areas than we're used to really being able to cover. Uh, it's exciting. I mean, it, it is. It's really exciting from the standpoint of from a, it's going to be fun football to watch. It's going to be a competitive conference. And it's even more stuff. I mean, from someone who owns a network, like I've, I've had this weird, like double feeling of like complete and utter anxiety for the last 50 some odd days while all this has been going on ever since the, the news broke in the Houston Chronicle that Oklahoma and Texas were looking to leave for the SEC. Like, it's this weird opinion of like, while the conference is about to go through this entire upheaval, this is weird and not great, not fun and awful, but also this is really good for someone who owns and runs a Big 12 podcast and Big 12 podcast network because numbers have been really high right now. Right. So it's a, you know, from a business standpoint, it's great. From a fan standpoint, as someone who is at my heart, I'm an Oklahoma State fan um, and Oklahoma State is still a part of this conference. I'm really glad for that. And I'm glad this conference is staying whole. And I'm glad that the four teams that are coming in are ones that make a lot of sense. Well, for sure. And uh, I think, you know, the, the Big 12 with, with this expansion, they've they've moved into, you know, three new states, Florida, Ohio and Utah. Um, I think, you know, how, how much um, I mean, from what you know or what you've read, you know, uh, expanding their reach into new places. How much was that a factor in all this? So. We, we talked for a while nationally that the next round of expansion wasn't going to be about geography like the last round was. You know, mm-hmm. the, the idea of like oh, you got to get eyeballs, you got to get that New York market or that whatever market you got to get into. And it's not really how it works anymore. It's more who people unplug. It's about for, for most of this stuff, as you saw from the SEC, it's about brand. It's about how many eyeballs does this particular entity bring in for us that also benefits the rest of the conference as a whole. So the SEC and the Big Ten, um, Pac-12, the ACC are going to operate differently than the Big 12 is doing so moving forward. So for the Big 12, you had a couple of different things. Who are the who are the, the biggest brands in college football? Because college football is what's driving this. Okay, like we can talk about the benefits for college basketball. This is going to be you know, the Kim Palm put out their numbers that the Big 12 is by Kim Palm numbers the best conference, and even losing OU and Texas and adding these new four teams in. While the gap will shrink, the Big 12 will remain the best men's basketball conference, and that's that's awesome. Um, so put all the other stuff aside for a second. I understand this is all being dealt with from a football standpoint. And you get into Florida, which is good. Giant alumni base, rabid fan base, a lot of recruiting going on in Florida. You mm-hmm. get into Ohio, a lot of recruiting in Ohio. 
lot of people who care about college football up in the, up in the Midwest, you know, next to Iowa, Iowa State. Makes sense from a geographic standpoint because West Virginia recruits Florida a lot. This is beneficial for West Virginia. West Virginia recruits Ohio a lot. This is beneficial for West Virginia. Beneficial for Iowa State for giving them another school that is nearby. Um, BYU just makes sense because naturally they have such a massive fan base. And I think a lot of people are going to find out how many Mormons actually live across the country. Um, <laughs> and then, and then Houston, I mean, we can quibble over, should you have brought in Boise state? Well, geography is a major issue. You can't recruit the area. Uh, Memphis, there's some issues with Memphis. I think, I think Houston was the obvious kind of like, this is going to end up being the, the fourth school. The other three seemed pretty obvious. This is the one that was kind of like, well, I think other people would prefer this or this. Houston, it's another team in Texas. They've they got a lot of money. There's a political poll. Like, there are reasons Houston is joining the Big 12 um, that aren't all just about brand, but it is, a, it is a bigger, it is a big G5 brand. It is located in Houston. It does keep your Texas presence strong. So I think all four of these schools make made the most sense. And if, if you stop and think about it and debating over anybody else was just a matter of preference. Yeah. So that, that was, that was one of the questions. I, uh, next questions I had for you, you've already kind of touched on that, you know, as far as, you know, the Houston uh, being added, you know, I didn't know if they were added because the big 12 wanted to remain, you know, uh, have a, you know, a large footprint in Texas, you know, there's, you know, you could probably argue, SMU could have maybe been in the conversation, but like you said, definitely Memphis as well with, with their facilities and some of the FedEx money that they have around there. Um, it, overall, just, I mean, I mean, Houston performance wise, I know it's not, everything's not based on performance as well um, on the field or the court, but uh, you know, they've been other than basketball, at least they haven't been into an American athletic conference championship game. And I think like, maybe four years, five years, maybe. So is that just more because of the political pool that they have or, or, you know, what else are they offering to the conference? Here's the deal. If you're looking at things over the last three to four years, and that's the only thing you're looking at, then you're missing the bigger picture. Like look at these programs over the last 10 years, 15, Mm -hmm. 20. Right. And, all of them at various points in that time have had success multiple under multiple coaches, mind you. You've seen it from UCF. We've had multiple coaches who've been successful. Now you've got Malvon, who I think will be there as well. Uh, Cincinnati, when they have young, hungry coaches, not named Tommy Coverville, they are a successful football <laughs> program. Yep. Uh, Houston has had multiple successful coaches come through and win at Houston um, and BYU the same way. So I think it's more a – like that's what – as opposed to picking, well, who's the most popular and really good right now? I feel like bringing in Coastal Carolina just because Jamie Chadwell is doing well, but when you go back and look at Coastal Carolina's history, show me the rest of it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I get SMU, they're really good right now. Show me all the success they had before these past three years. Um, like, there is, there is enough history of success over the last two decades for those other two programs under multiple head coaches to show you the evidence that that is a program where you can succeed, not just based upon one particular guy being in charge of it. From, so from a football standpoint, that's why you say those four brands are arguably the biggest brands because a brand isn't just about one guy, one there. It's about that program is known as the successful program. It's why coaches want to go and be there because you can have success there. 
And so it makes sense. Definitely. I, I think, I think you're right about that. Um, wh what I want, you know, we, we, when I say we, you know, there are a handful, I don't know how many schools it was that um, sort of auditioned for the big 12 um, a handful of years ago. Was that 2015 or 16, maybe 16, yeah, 2016. So, you know, they, it, this round have obviously happened much faster. Um, do you, in your opinion, uh, did the Big Twelve make the right decision then not to expand, or would they be you know would they be in a different situation now if they had done that in two thousand sixteen? I mean, look, depending upon who you ask to, we'll, we'll give you the answers to why the conference didn't expand. Uh, if you talk to people connected to Oklahoma, it was the it was the the eight that are left over now basically deciding they wanted to take the uh, payout from ESPN with the ESPN Plus deal and the third tier right stuff, um, as opposed to just forcing their way and renegotiating a contract with ESPN and Fox to bring more schools in and get to 12. Uh, because at the time, uh, OU school president, whose name just completely escaped my mind, um, was advocating for it. Uh, he talked to other people. Texas didn't want anybody in, didn't want Houston. There was too much Googling about who to bring in. Um, there's this, the, the point that ESPN and Fox basically, there was built into the contract that ESPN and Fox, which is called added schools, would have to prorate add those schools and pay them the appropriate amount with two more schools in. And ESPN and Fox didn't want to do that because there were not two schools they wanted to pay that much to, be it Houston or Cincinnati or Memphis or Boise State or whoever you, you tried to talk about. So I, there was a lot of different moving parts involved there. So the question is, they rate the, make the right decision. Like uh, I have a hard time with the notion of had the Big 12 brought in, I don't care, name two teams, Cincinnati and Memphis or Houston and, and BYU. Had they brought two teams in then and got them back to 12, that Oklahoma and Texas wouldn't be bolting for the SEC right now anyway. Like Texas, this has always been a tenuous marriage with Texas. Like it's, they've been ready to, to – there's too much pull and too much say – them getting an opportunity to go to the SEC, like if that opportunity still come around, like I don't think they're sticking around because, oh, well, we have BYU and Cincinnati now, so we should probably stay here. Like, no, they're still going to go to the SEC. And Oklahoma's not going to stick around in the Big 12 if Texas isn't here. Plus, I, you look at the changing of the guard across college football, both from a, a conference commissioner standpoint now to school presidents are changing at, at Oklahoma State. You have new new AAs and presidents of Texas and, and a, a new president of Oklahoma. Like, the, the people and the players in 2016, many of them aren't even in charge now. So it's really easy to play the game of like, well, if you'd have done this, but I don't think it's ever as simple as that. And I don't think you can tell me, like, it didn't matter who they added. If they'd added two more schools, OU and Texas would, have, would, would still be here. I'm, I'm not sure that's true. I'm, I'm just not. Uh, I think you're right. It's, it, I mean, hindsight's 2020, but you, there's no way to tell. It sounds like you know they they had their they were dead set on leaving for a while and were able to keep it under wraps and you know it is what it is at at the moment but I, I think you're right about that I don't I don't know if if adding anyone would have would have kept them around for for any longer which you know I'm sure there's not a ton of fans in the Big Twelve that are excited to lose Texas and Oklahoma but I know you know as uh, as one of the new four teams coming into the Big Twelve I know. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma might deserve a gift basket from some of the Bearcats fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't, I, this isn't, 
maybe had you come to the, if OU and Texas were still in the conference, come contract negotiation time at 2024-2025, maybe we added two more and get back to 12, because I've, I've thought all along the conference should be at 12. It doesn't, it's not made sense to be at 10, but I, I mean, it just it didn't seem like there was a lot of push to do that. Um, and again, so many of these decisions are based off of, at the end of the day, these decisions are based off of money. And mm-hmm. why is the ACC not going to expand? Because ESPN is basically like, no, we're not going to let you. And if you try to bring in, insert two remaining eight, West Virginia and anybody else, like everyone's going to take a cut. Like, no, but you're not making more money per school. Same thing with the Big Ten. Pac-12, we can quibble about. I don't, I'm not sure. I still think that they shouldn't have, but I mean, do what you want to do. <laughs> the, the alliance, which is whatever. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about it's about per school payment rate, right? It's not about like, well, this dollar sign. If if it is a if a single school has to take a cut to bring in another school, they're not going to do it. Like, yeah. it's it's an arms race, folks. Like, it just it is. Um, and we can talk about whether or not they already have plenty of money to do all these things, and no one's actually broke, and yada 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 yada. I don't want to go down that road right now. But the point is. TV dictates so much nowadays because it's so intertwined. I mean, ESPN runs college football more than people want to admit that it does. So does Fox. They just don't get the, um, they just kind of stay out of limelight better than ESPN does. So, like, we are where we are. We can play, I'm sure someone will make a great 30 for 30 or a wonderful novel or book about how this all went down, and I will happily read it. But for now, dwelling on the past is no good. Um, complaining because it's not the four teams you like doesn't do any good. Griping because all these schools are going to lose money. We, the remaining eight will. The four coming in will be excited about the money. Like I just look at it from the standpoint of the com- this conference has got to be the most competitive it has been since probably the 90s, maybe, or that run there between like 2009 to 2012. Um, and I, for one, as somebody who covers this conference, I'm excited about that because, uh, look, everyone's not going to – national championship and playoffs has dominated the conversation of college football so much. And I have just reached a point where I'm like, can, can I just talk about college football and college basketball and college softball and baseball and all these other things and just enjoy college athletics as a fan of these things, as a fan of a school that has these teams? Can I just enjoy that without having to feel like – well, we can't win a college football playoff game or even make it to one, so I shouldn't care about anything. I should just be sad and go, go bury my head in the sand or do something else. Like, I enjoy college athletics. I enjoy college sports. I enjoy cheering for these teams. And so from the standpoint of just a fan of a conference that's about to become more competitive than it's ever been, honestly, like internally, I'm very excited. <laughs> I think uh, I think a lot of the, the teams coming in to the Big 12 will be just as excited as well. I know, I mean, uh, you with with you the you know the history or the the success that Cincinnati has had you know recently with Luke Fickle, you know, going to a, uh, a, a noon game on Saturday to blow out a team by 40 points is, I mean, that's great, and we'll have fun and we'll chug beers on the on the uh, grid tailgate and be happy about it. But w- I, I was listening to another uh, Cincinnati based podcast and they said with this, it, everything, every game just is going to mean so much more that we will, 
we're not even ready for the you know the intensity of of the Big Twelve uh, scheduling slate week in week out for football. Like it's it's going to mean so much more now. Yeah, look, we still have Kansas, and I and I'm I'm say that joke somewhat lighthearted and somewhat just like said is the reality, but there's not there's not four or five Kansas on the schedule anymore. Right. That's the difference. And people trying to compare the eight, when the people were doing like Big Twelve AAC, like oh they're the same value. There's no difference between these eight leftover schools and this whole AAC. And I'm like, okay, like we're we're really operating like this is two like an apple and an apple, and these are the same thing. And it's like this is this is eight schools versus eleven. We're not talking about these in the right way. Like you have to break things down appropriately. There is a bigger difference between the eight Big Twelve schools that are left and the entire AAC. I'm not saying that there aren't that. The three teams joining aren't, at worst, middle of the pack Big 12 teams, and I mean that with the utmost respect. But like, the bottom of the AAC and the bottom of the Big 12 are two entirely different things. Like, yes, we have Kansas. There are multiple Kansases in the AAC from the standpoint of like, you guys are not terrible, but you're you're not like you just put a W next to them on the schedule comes out every year. Right, right, for sure. Um, and so I got so I got. Let me ask you this, because I have the two cons- not concerns. One of them is a concern, but uh, I want to get your thoughts for as far as Texas and Oklahoma do go. And if you had to guess, do you, are they making it until twenty twenty five, or are they gone next season? Or what do you think? They continue to say twenty twenty. They will be here until twenty twenty five, and. I mean, that's what they're supposed to say, right? You can't give any inclination that you might be doing something different because it, it's just, it's all about leverage now. You negotiate the negotiating table, in the courtroom, wherever this goes, it's all about leverage. And so you have to make sure all of your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted. Um, they're going to continue to say that they're leaving in 2025 until something officially states that they are not. Um, and everything is figured out. When this, if you asked me 25, 30 days ago, I had them leaving at the end of the season. If you ask me now, um, BYU is expected to join the Big 12 in all sports for the 2023 athletic season. Mm-hmm. I would put money down today on all four schools join in 2023, and OU and Texas are in the SEC that year as well. There's all the talk about how there'll be some weird year where the conference will have 11 teams or 16 teams or some combination of those things. I'm like, OU and Texas are not going to stick around for that. They're not. That, mm-hmm. that makes zero sense whatsoever. Um, this is all negotiating tactic stuff. This is all leverage. This is all trying to figure out how to get Oklahoma and Texas to have to pay the most money possible to get out before they leave. Um, and, and you want, as the Big 12, here's the thing for the Big 12. You still have a T, the contract, the T contract is going to pretty much stay the same. It is until they go to renegotiate it. When it ends, it ends in 2025. So the negotiation will go from 2024 through till the contract ends, and you're going to renegotiate a new contract with Fox, ESPN, whoever else wants to get involved and go from there. The big, it behooves the Big 12 to have those four teams in for the 2023 season and honestly to get OU and Texas out for the 2023 season to have a full year of the new look Big 12 to show what someone is paying for. 
All right. Nobody wants to buy something sight unseen. Like you can. It's not the smartest thing in the world. Um, so if you're trying to sell something to oh, to the ESPN and Fox and you know whether or not CVS or NBC wants to get involved in any of this stuff, and that's I'm not even going to try and figure that out. You want to showcase what you have for at least a full season before you go to the negotiating table. So it makes sense that Big 12 would want the four new schools in for a full year and probably in Texas out. I know the idea of like, oh, well, they could play you in Texas and showcase how good they are. This would be great to help the country. It's not going to matter. OU Texas isn't going to want that. I don't think that's going to happen. I would be absolutely jaw on the floor shocked if all four teams came in, OU and Texas stuck around and they all played a season together. I just, I do not foresee that. It's a scheduling nightmare. It's weird. It's just, I don't think it's going to happen. So 2023 is my estimate as to when OU and Texas are gone and the other four schools are in. You know, I think, I think you're, uh, I think you're right when you're talking about it being good to have a full season together, uh, you know, to, to give the networks, you know, an idea of what this looks like or, you know, for whoever wants to get involved with that, negotiation but i hadn't heard that uh that point brought up yet so i think you're you bring up a good point when it comes to that um let me let me ask you this is my my question of concern really my last serious question then i i have some more fun ones here for you um the how likely is it that the you know the eight big 12 teams that are that stayed how how likely is it that they stick together for a while here in the new look of big 12 is do you have any concerns about a kansas or a west virginia or someone leaping to a, to a different conference if acc let's say it's 20 again like here's what i would say if one of them got an offer to the big 10 the acc Pac-12 for the SEC. Let me ask this in a different way. Let's say it's 2027. Conference has been all together. And you're Cincinnati and the Big Ten comes calling. Are you leaving? If I'm in charge, no. But I'm, I'm the odd man out. Everyone else would probably say yes. Well, from, from, a, from a financial standpoint, you're, yeah. you're going to go. Right, right. right. So that's what I would, that's how I would answer the question with a question of if a, if a if one of the four conferences who make the, the most money, the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12, were to come calling to any of the, eight, the, the Big 12 schools, whether the remaining eight or the four that come in, they're all going to say, okay, bye, and they're going to go. Mm-hmm. So this, the fear of some of them leaving, it's not going to be because they want to leave. It's going to be because they have an offer to do so. Um, and so that's really the question you have to ask. So it's not like I think too much of the conversation about those about the other eight teams leaving is like, well, I mean, West Virginia wants to go to the ACC. Great, that requires an invitation. Right. Um, so right. far, they don't have one. And unless Notre Dame wants to become a full fledged member of the conference, unless they want to go to a full sixteen team conference, and that's probably not going to happen because Notre Dame's personal identity as a football program and athletic department is too is severely tied to being an independent team. Yep. Um, like that's not going to happen. I don't think the ACC is going to expand. ESPN has way too good of a sweetheart deal with them that goes for way too long. Um, the Big Ten doesn't have to expand. They're about to get so much money from Fox, it's going to be stupid. Um, 
in the Pac-12, the SEC, I mean, they're only going to expand if they're going to be in marquee brands. And we already know that the eight schools left over and the four coming in are not marquee enough for the SEC would grab them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that really only leaves the Pac-12. And I know that they're saying they're happy with 12. I, 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 if you asked me now, do I think in the next five, six, seven years they go to 14? I do because the alliance scheduling thing doesn't actually make any sense for a 12-team conference to play two 14-team conferences and everybody play two games against each other. Um, I'm, I, I may have been an art major for a reason, so I didn't have to take a lot of math classes, but I don't think that actually adds up. <laughs> but for now, I, I, don't, I don't know, because there are no invitations. There's no obvious spot other than the Pac-12 that somebody would want to or need to expand again. So... Like, I'm not sure I'm afraid of it because I just don't, like, I, I don't see the obvious scenario at this point other than the Pac-12. Okay. Okay. So let me, uh, let me ask you a couple questions here. So for, for UC fans or for anyone, any of the new uh, fans from the, the four teams programs coming in, um, in your opinion, which you know, which stadiums or which game atmospheres in the in the Big Twelve should uh, Bearcats fans uh, you know put at the top of their travel list? So I have not been to every stadium, so maybe it's preface that first, so that there's an understanding of not all of this is from personal experience. Um, I think you want to go to a packed West Virginia game. Um, they are loud, rowdy, and a lot of fun. Uh, as an Oklahoma State fan, I would always suggest a big OSU game. Um, we're, we're good people. We tailgate. We're friendly. Um, and, and when the paddles get smacking, it's, it gets rowdy. Um, it's not, leaving people out is going to make people mad. Um, I, I would like to go to a Kansas State game. My mm-hmm. one experience at TCU, they weren't very good. So the stadium wasn't very full. But I've been told what it is full. It's quite nice. Um, I have, if You've got to go to Ames. Obviously, it's right there. It's the closest. It makes the most sense. That If you watch that game against Iowa on Saturday, score aside like, that fan base will show up and that team is gone awful and be loud and cheerful and, and, and raucous. And um, I know there's some good tailgating there. So I would definitely tell them to go to Ames. I would definitely tell them to go to West Virginia. Um, personally, selfishly, I would go to Oklahoma State. And then I would just get to as many as you can other than that. Like I, this, this is, these are passionate college football programs. Um, and, and when they're good, like anybody else, that is the difference between, you know, when people try to say there's no value here. These big 12 schools, when, when they're good, those places are packed. Um, when they're down for long periods of time, yeah, like in San Pace. I mean, you saw the end, like the last quarter of the USC Stanford game. Stanford was blowing out. There was nobody there. Yep. It's USC, right? It's USC. Um, Nick Saban has complained about fans leaving early at Alabama game. So, like, and they're always good. So when they're bad, you know, it is what it is. But when they're good, every one of them, Texas Tech is wild. Do not eat the tortillas. Just do, don't, don't eat the tortillas at Texas Tech. I, you know, I, that, that's, one my, that's one of my questions here. What what the hell do they do with tortillas in, at Texas well, Tech? I, you're, I'm, not supposed to, you're not supposed to bring food in, so where do you think they stick it to sneak it in? Uh, <laughs> don't, don't, don't eat the tortillas at Texas Tech. And that's enough said for me. Uh, I will yep. stay, stay away from the tortillas there. Um, so, 
I think this answer will change once once the four teams are uh, are officially in and competing against uh, everyone else. But right now, if you had to pick one, and maybe you don't want to pick one, you don't want to make any fan base mad. But if you had to pick the most obnoxious Big Twelve fan base, who are you picking? Obnoxious? Uh, well, it's Texas, uh, but they're leaving. Um, and uh, and look, I'm really excited to have UCF UCF fans following us, but um, I feel like they're going to fill in the Texas fan base. Yes, they will. Like, uh, pers- that's, personality. That's why I said that we'll ha- you'll have a new one once we join because I think it's def- the answer yeah. will definitely be Central Florida. Yeah. Um, I mean, Texas Tech fans still consider themselves to be pirates because of the Mike Leach days, so they get a little bit raucous. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we're losing one and adding another. I don't know if enough about Houston's fan base to have a real opinion on them. I'm I'm still not entirely sure that okay, I'm, I'm gonna be mean to Houston. I'm trying to set up I'm trying to set up some rivalries there. Uh good. But good. um I like it. I, as we lose Texas, I feel like we're gonna replace them quite well with the UCF fan base. <laughs> All right, I'm glad we're on the same page about that. We're we're already bonding here. I like it. Um <laughs> <laughs> what um you know all this is is driven by by football and and sort of a lot of people complain about the tradition that's lost because of of conference realignment where do you stand uh on, on in that regard as far as you know traditions being lost and, and rivalries going to the wayside well it sucks but it does it's happening. It's going to continue to happen. It's inevitable. I mean, there's rivalries renewed with Texas and the SEC and playing Arkansas. And I'm not saying that tongue in cheek. Like you saw that game Saturday night, um, Arkansas and Texas rivalry is, is old blood. Okay. That is some old money, old blood rivalry from the Southwest conference days that they don't play very often anymore, but Arkansas does not like Texas. And that is a deep rivalry that's coming back. Um, so like it's with, with more TV and more money, like those kinds of things just fall by the wayside a lot. And I think more and more are going to continue to do so over the next 30 to 40 years as college football continues to morph into whatever it's going to be. Um, so it sucks. Like I, I, I like rivalries. Like I, again, I'm an Oklahoma state fan. And while I don't, I wouldn't hate not having to lose to Oklahoma for a few years. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But at the same time, like, I mean, I was angry at first, but now I'm, you know, cooler head prevail. I'm like, figure out how to get Bedlam on the schedule. It, mm-hmm. it needs to be there. Like, it, I don't, I don't, I don't need to replace OU with Tulsa as like our annual rivalry game. No offense to Tulsa, like it's neat, it's it's cool. I'm glad we play an in-state school, but like Bedlam, I don't care what the record is. Like, you you play Bedlam, like it should be on the schedule in every sport, right? right. Baseball, softball, mm-hmm. men's and women's basketball, football, and so you got to figure out how to do that. And I, could, I think logistically that stuff gets hard. I mean, look, Texas and Texas Tech are reportedly talking about some like 20, 25 year contract so they can have out of conference games every year, which is, which is neat, which is great. I love that. Um, so, I mean, it stinks. New rivalries will be formed, I guess. I, it, it's so hard to make new rivalries. Um, fans will say, like, who should be our new rivals? Like, you can't. Like you don't just pick a rival. Yeah, you can't. And that's not how it works. Can't be forced. Like, there has to be history and blood and frustration and things like that. Some of that has to exist. Like Cincinnati and and, and West Virginia, I mean, you guys used to play in the Big East. 
It makes sense. BYU and TCU have some heated games. Like, that is already a matchup that I'm excited about. It's, uh, two teams that have played previously as conference opponents. Um, there's some bad blood there from just a, like a we can't wait to beat them again kind of stuff. And you can't force that. Like, that has to come somewhat naturally. So, like, I do think some new rivalries will form. Um, I think Texas Tech and Houston could be a lot of fun. Uh, Baylor Houston could be a lot of fun. Um, I think Cincinnati and West Virginia could have could be a lot of fun. I don't know what I mean. UCF's going to be out there. I don't, I don't, I don't know for them. But new ones will, old ones will get renewed. Um, new stuff will happen. But but if you look at West Virginia, West Virginia has been in this conference for what ten years now. I yeah. mean, they still be it still isn't like. There's still not like a rivalry in conference for them. Like when they talk about rivalries, it's still Pitt and Maryland or Virginia Tech and Penn State. Like it's not like Texas or Oklahoma or TCU or West Virginia or Iowa State. Like it's just, it's just not. Like it's never really happened organically. So, I mean, it stinks. It, it stinks. And I hope teams can figure out how to, how to keep those intact and out of conference situations. I'm pumped for the Holy War to be now a, a Big 12 out of conference game every year. Like that's going to be fun. For sure. Oh yeah, that was that was that was fun for sure. And you know, I I really only have one more uh, question here for you, Phil. And and I think we would be um, out of line here if we didn't bring this up. And and you talk you touched on it at the very beginning of, of the episode here. Um, but how? I mean, f- for Cincinnati, we're I feel as though we're sort of you know we're new to to being good at football. You know my freshman year at UC was Brian Kelly's first year and um but historically Cincinnati has been a basketball t- program they've been a basketball school with with the history with with Bob Huggins and all and all of that the Jordan Brand era that everyone still loves to talk about but i mean this Big 12 conference with the basketball focused teams that they have um, I mean, you can say what you want about the ACC, but this Big 12 is going to be crazy good when it comes to basketball. Here's the deal. Um, the top of the ACC, well, now granted, North Carolina, Duke's going through coaching changes. We don't know what the top's like anymore. That's true. Uh, Florida State's head coach, uh, he, Hamilton's not going to be there forever. Um, I mean, Virginia's quite good, but the bot, there are some really bad teams in the ACC at the bottom. Um, the Big Ten, I mean, they're pretty good. They got a lot of good coaches. But I think there's a lot of depth there. The bottom is okay. Um, SEC is getting better, but it's still not a basketball conference. The Pac 12 is a mess, like everything else outside of basically like softball. Um, I mean, the Big 12, top to bottom, is the deepest conference. Like, you're. you're you're even at ten teams. You're getting you can get six and seven teams into the NCAA tournament. Um, it's it's depth is ridiculous. The depth of the coaching talent is ridiculous. Um, and now you're adding Calvin Sampson back in, which I'm. I've many Houston jokes to make. Like um, that's awesome. Uh, Cincinnati is great. Uh, BYU has been a solid program, and that's a big hit for Gonzaga's schedule. And then I, I think UCF is. I don't know. I. I I know they had an NCAA tournament game where they had a close game with Duke, or they had a game that was a close game with Duke. I don't remember. Like, I don't know their history on men's basketball all that well. I got two or three years to figure it out. But, like, from a, from a basketball standpoint, from the men's side, like, and again, the Ken Palm numbers were what they were. Yes, 
the gap between one and two is going to be closer, but it's still number one because while it may not have as many like teams at the top as say the ACC did or the Big Ten, the depth from top to top to bottom cannot be beat, and I think it's still going to be that way. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited for that. I, I the like I said, you know, basketball is a huge deal around here, and you know, with, with Baylor, you know, embarrassing Gonzaga last year. You know, Houston made it to the Final Four. Uh, I mean, Texas Tech is always usually pretty solid, uh, as far as you know, as as my memory uh, goes. There, I, I think I think it'll be the best. I think the season will be grueling, and again, like I said earlier, everything just matters so much more now. So I'm excited. I'm just as excited for basketball as I am football. Yeah. No, I, look, again, I I came into my collegiate sports fandom in men's basketball. Um, I was at OSU the final four season in 0304. Like, I love men's basketball. It's it's, uh, it's so much. I love the men's basketball season uh, more than most people do. I love March Madness. Like, I am, I'm excited that the conference is going to be just fine. I mean, look, Kansas is still here. Um, Baylor just won a national championship. They're still around. Like you're losing OU in Texas, and I get it. But OU hasn't exactly been. I mean, they've had some seasons over the last 20 years, but OU hasn't been like, oh, the the Big 12 is good because of Oklahoma uh, or Texas, who's been up and down for a while. Like the conference's strength over the last decade has not been because of Texas or Oklahoma. So you're not losing from the men's basketball side, like the, the top of the of the conference. You're losing the middle of the conference and filling it in with teams who are as good, if not better over the last decade than, than Oklahoma and Texas have been. So um, that's really exciting. Um, other sports, I'm have to do the digging. Like I don't know enough about Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and, and BYU in baseball or in softball. Softball is big for us. We love softball and the potential podcast, potential network um, and everything else across the board. But I mean, the big 12 is, is, similar to the Pac-12, it is a conference with a lot of schools that believe in having rich and deep athletic departments across the board, not just football and men's basketball. For sure. And I, I'm excited. It, I don't think it can come soon enough. Um, and uh, and hopefully, I mean, I don't have to say hopefully. I know, I know a lot of uh, Bearcat Nation is just as excited as I am. Um, Phil, you know, I, Last thing I'll ask you here, uh, I just want to know, uh, so far, I know we're only two, maybe three weeks, depending on the schedule, into the uh, 2021 football season. But, uh, you know, what are, what are your reactions to, uh, to some of the games and some of the outcomes so far this year uh, across the board? Not doesn't have just to be the Big 12. I mean, a lot of people or I have, I have people that I pay attention to have been kind of hinting or, or poking or subtly mentioning at the potential for this to be another 2007. And for college football fans who don't remember 2007, it was the weirdest year ever uh, in college football. So that was the, the two lost LSU who won the national championship with uh, Les Miles. Um, they were like new number one and number two like every week for like a few weeks running. Like USF was like number one at one point. West Virginia was number one at one point. Missouri was like number one at one point. So it's the weirdest year. Everybody points to it as just like wild and wacky like there was like LSU was the best team, but you know, whatever, like this through two weeks, I don't know that I know much about anybody, but like Alabama's good. And I think Georgia's good. 
and uh, Oregon might be good, um, and that's it. Like I, I, I don't know that I can tell you anything definitive after two weeks about very many teams because of who they played or who they beat or how they've looked or the up and down nature of the sport so far through the season. So I, I'm, if ever we were going to have another 2007, this might be it where we we just don't know. I'm excited for it. I, I, I am. We could use something a little unpredictable. I think that I think college football has needed it after basically being able to pick the four playoff teams and the national champion like every year for the last four years in a row. And I, and I know that's the topic that dominates everything. So just if that's going to be the dominant conversation all the time, let's get something weird to have. Like we we deserve a weird year after 2020. If everything should go on from a college football standpoint, we needed we needed 2007 part two. Oh, I, I'm here for it for sure. <laughs> All right, Phil. I mean, anything else that um, anyone else, the listeners here, sh- uh, should know, or um, or anything else you want to shout out that that might be coming up for you? Uh, no, just uh, if you are on Twitter, follow the network. We are at ten twelve network t e n number twelve. The word network. We're on Instagram at ten twelve pod. Like I said, we have six shows. Uh, you can find them all where podcasts are available. If you follow us on Twitter, you'll you'll get links to to all six of the shows. We're going to continue to add shows. Yes, we will add shows for the four schools coming in before they all arrive. There's, I mean, they're coming. There's no reason to sit here and wait till 2023 to do so. So um, the goal is still the same. We will have a show for every team in the conference. Um, by the time everyone gets here, that's the goal. Uh, so just give us a follow and uh, check out everything we have. And, um, you know, welcome to the Big 12. Awesome. I appreciate it, Phil. And uh, you gave us a lot of good stuff here. I appreciate it. And you have a good rest of the weekend. Hey, you as well, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our next guest is a former player for the UC football team. He played from 2013 to 2016, seeing action in almost 50 games with uh, over 225 solo tackles, three forced fumbles, and eight interceptions over his four years at you see, you might know him as number 22, and you might know him as number four. Either way, we have Mr. Zach Edwards on the podcast today. Zach, how's it going? Pretty good, man. How you doing? I, I'm good. I'm, I'm excited for uh, Bearcats football, and uh, I think we're, we have a good season on our hands here. Yes, yeah, sir. I do, too, man. It, it looks really great. I mean, I think all the um, chips are following what we want them to, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, since your, uh, your time at UC, do you, have you stayed on, uh, you know, stayed on top of it, followed along as, as, you know, Luke Fickle has been putting in work here for the Bearcats? Oh, definitely. I, I mean, I'm a huge, I mean, I'm a huge Bearcat fan. I mean, um, uh, I'm a big advocate for everything that Luke's doing, um, and that whole university, honestly, especially with the new expansion with the doing another conference change. I'm, 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 I'm definitely on board with everything they're doing. I mean, as an alumni, um, especially being in that system, it, it's great to see what's going on now, especially, um, you know, a lot of guys, I don't know, I can't speak for other people, but I know just outside looking in, a lot of guys would be kind of uh, jealous of what's going on um, of the new situation with, I mean, Coming off my senior year, going four and eight, 
and then now seeing what they're doing now. Uh, but no, I'm I'm far from that. I'm ecstatic. I I love what's going on right now. Um, it's 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 really a great thing to see, especially when it's your university that you went to. Um, it's just great to see those guys are really doing what you wanted to do. You know, absolutely. That that that's good to hear. You know, I mean the. The first part of the podcast here, uh, before you came on, we were uh, I, I was talking with a, a guy who who runs some podcasts and some and some uh, social media accounts, uh, like I do for you. You know, I'm not affiliated with UC in, or in any way. I'm just you know I just do it because I'm a huge fan. So he's kind of similar in that regard, but he does it you know from the Big Twelve perspective, and and he was was very excited and uh, you know talking about about the expansion. You know, what do you think? that does from a from a player's perspective or from a recruiting perspective you know how what i mean we know it's going to be big but really how what kind of difference is that going to make um i mean from a recruiting standpoint i think um it, it changes some things but at the same time i think Stickle's doing a great job and their whole entire staff is doing a a great job with like staying home and getting the guys from from here i mean you think about Ohio as one of the top states for um, high school football. So I think that's a great job. I mean, I think that's what we, we kind of failed out in the past um, is, is staying home and recruiting. So I think that even gets even some of the bigger names in Ohio to want to play at UC, which, I mean, a lot of big names and big recruits from Ohio are staying home. So, I mean, speaking from, like, just the in-state perspective, I think that, that, that brings a lot more um, of the guys to want, make them want to stay home. Because you can stay home and you still go out further and play against bigger, so-called bigger names in, in college football. So I think that does a great job with recruiting. I think it does a, day, a great job for the program, just giving that exposure they deserve, um, in my opinion. Because, I mean, UC has been a great – school, great athletics on all, on all accounts, um, basketball, football, soccer, you know, it, it, and, and other sports as well. Um, so it's, it, I think it does us wonders to get that expansion. It just helps the university and it helps the Bearcat community, period. I, I think you're right, and I'm definitely looking forward to for, you know, what's to come. You know, with the recruitment and, and you know the new the new conference and and everything that that's come with it here, you know, with when I have you here though, I think for the listeners that that are that'll tune in, I think you can offer some unique perspective that we don't get a whole lot of. Um, so I, I kind of want to break down our our questions tonight in like two categories. I want to talk about you know your time on the on the team, but I also want to talk about you know, the team and what's happening now so far this season. So I guess I'm, I'll, I'll let you pick which one you want to talk about first. Uh, I'm cool with either or, honestly. Uh, you know, I'm an open book. I'm, I'm ready for whatever. Okay. All right. So, well, let's, let, let's start, let's start with your playing days then. Cause I think uh, I, we can transition that into, into the season. So let, let's mm -hmm. start. There. Um, okay. So you, were initially when you came to UC, were you recruited by uh, Butch Jones, and that? Yes, sir. I, I committed uh, under Butch Jones and Kerry Combs. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So, 
uh, you know, once once he left for Tennessee, and we had uh, we had Tommy Tuberville come in. Uh, you know, was there any sort of um, hesitation, or or were you ready to see? You know, were you just committed to UC no matter who the head coach was? Um, I was definitely committed to UC, but um, with my family and everything that was going on, with um, not knowing too much about those, I mean, I obviously was ecstatic about um, them hiring a um, quote-unquote well-known coach, um, experienced coach, seasoned coach. So I was excited about that. Um, but I was definitely in question of like, okay, this is a new coach that knows nothing about me. Um, uh, obviously, because I wasn't included by any of the teams that he was previously on, so it was like uh, I'm kind of iffy about it. And I, I did, I did seek out other, you know, possibilities. But in all in all, my my heart was set on Cincinnati just because of the environment. Honestly, so that's the reason why I committed to UC. It was more of like a, um, and I said that I think I said this when I first committed, but it, it, it felt like a family, like not only the coaches, but like just being around the organization. Like a all right all right so um so, i mean a lot of people will uh a lot of people throw shade or, or, or talk shit about tuberville um you know kind of went out in a uh in a ball of fire i guess but i mean yeah. your, your first two years here you're you're nine and four in back-to-back years uh even the third year uh you're seven and six and you're playing in bowl games uh, I think you played. Uh, you played one in Hawaii, right? Yes, sir. That was uh, seven and six year. Okay. That, okay. So, so what? What overall? You know, what sort of uh, when people ask, you know, what was your experience at UC? You know, is it? You know, what do you tell them? And and what would you tell? I mean, do you look at it differently now as you did then? Sort of go through that uh, for us. Um, I I definitely look at it now differently than I do when I was there. Um, looking at it now, well, look, let's, let's start with when I was there. When I was there, it was, uh, so a lot of people don't know, Tupperville uh, was actually on a bubble of keeping me when I came in. Because um, there was a lot of guys in my class that uh, they did not keep that were, uh, that had committed under Jones. So, and I was one of those bubble guys. <laughs> okay. And, and I was, I was actually told by one of my coaches that one of the reasons why I was kept was because of a local guy. Um, so, I mean, I, it was it was kind of tough going into that situation, knowing that. Um, and then there was a point in time my freshman year doing uh, winter workouts and conditions, like uh, you and I, I was told by another coach. Uh, that I probably won't play <laughs> until like my junior year. Okay. And that was, you know, that was kind of tough on me being a freshman coming in. Um, but obviously it all worked out because I mean I started my freshman year. So I mean, it was just it was different um, coming into a staff that wasn't the staff that recruited you. But I think it made me a better person, a better player. Because I don't know if I would have had that same grind, which I, I would have had a grind. I mean, that football was something I loved. But I don't know if I would have had that same grind to go out there as a freshman and go try to beat somebody out if I wouldn't have been told the things that I was told. Um, and not have the same – I won't say support, because that staff supported me. Don't get me wrong. Um, but the confidence at first 
if I if I would have known that or wouldn't have known that, then I don't know how I would have performed coming into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and being that young, an like 18 year old kid, it's like, dude. And I mean, I come from a a, a good background with my parents, um, but the situation growing up where I grew up wasn't the best. But I, I understand what it is to grind. But I think that pushed me a little bit harder. Um, and that was something that I think I needed. And I didn't, and like looking back on it now, I didn't think I needed that. But looking back on it now, I like, I definitely needed that because I don't know if I would have had the success I had as a freshman, sophomore, um, if I didn't have that uh, kind of like motivation, honestly. Um, but it was definitely, it was a wonderful experience. Um, my position coach, uh, Stephen Cleanscale, my first two years, then I had, uh, oof, excuse me, sorry. But uh, yeah, my position coaches literally kept me um, level-headed through the whole situation because they knew what I was dealing with, um, especially when it come from uh, basically your your coach, not your, your your head guy, not having too much confidence in you. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I mean, but just because he doesn't know me, so to say. Um, so it's not me talking about him at all, but like just not being one of the recruits. Um, so, I mean, they kept me level-headed in that aspect. Uh, but my experience overall, was it was wonderful. I, I tell people to this day, going to UC and attending UC and graduating from UC in three and a half years was really one of the best decisions I've ever made. And that goes further than football, honestly. Um, because a lot of people at that university, as far as professors, they, they play a big role in my life and molded me into who I am today. So okay. that overall experience at UC was really the best experience I could have ever had for. Um, and looking back on it, I think that, like, I mean, it was definitely a grind during <laughs> during my years there. It was a grind for school, um, on the field, off the field. It was a grind. But looking back on it, like, dude, I definitely needed that to make me into who I am today. Um, so... Yeah, it was in my experience. I, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in this world, honestly. You know, speaking of, of experiences and unique ex- experiences, uh, you know, on you know two week or last last Saturday, you know, the Bearcats opened up uh, against Miami uh, for yeah, the Battle yeah. of the Victory Bell, and uh, the video. Like I, I was there, uh, you know, in attendance uh, for that game, and you know, it was a sellout crowd. What can you tell us, or how can you describe as a player? running out of the tunnel and onto Nippert with a crowd like that? Uh, it's surreal. Honestly, I mean, I can give an example. Uh, my freshman year playing Purdue at home, it was a whiteout. I mean, there's nothing like a blackout. I'll get to that in a second uh, with the Miami game. But uh, running out of that tunnel, and that's, that's when they had the, the big paw and the fireworks. So, running out of that tunnel against Purdue was really like, oh, my goodness, this is really happening. Like, I'm on the big stage now. And it's like, it was really, it was jaw-dropping, um, honestly. And you, you felt on top of the world. I don't know how to explain that to everybody else, but I know everybody's had an experience of something that made them feel on top of the world. 
mm-hmm. and that was that experience. Um, and then even that that Miami game uh, against Miami University at a, a hurricane, and that blackout and that sold out crowd, just running to the student section. Once you came out of that uh, tunnel, uh, it, it felt like uh, home, like coming home and, and just relaxing and, and, and turning out. It was just, I don't know how to explain it because it was something that you like literally had to experience. For, yes. Especially being a blackout because the blackout, and that's what against Miami is the blackout. So I know those guys really enjoyed that. Uh, that's that's good stuff you know i i I would imagine that it that it would be kind of hard to describe or or you know if you haven't experienced it it's you know it's kind of hard to 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 tell another person what it is but um let's talk let's for a second here talk about the uh the other miami the miami ohio um (laughs) because as a former player uh, you might you you probably have a different perspective than I do. You know I've I've written some some blog posts and talked about it before. Um, you know UC has beaten them 15 years in a row now. Uh, I, do you think it's it's time to to move on or or do you see value in playing Miami Ohio every year to continue the rivalry? Uh, honestly, I think I think you continue playing them for 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 tradition. Honestly. Um, because when I was there, I mean, they always gave us a hard fight. But I mean, we always knew we were the better team, but they always came out with a fight. And, you know, it didn't show, obviously, this past past week or, yeah, two weeks ago. Um, but I think you keep it going because there's so many alumni that have played in that uh, battle. Mm-hmm. And there's so many alumni that have not won it that love to see that their team's winning it now. So I think you continue it, in my my opinion. Um, I mean, I know since I was there, we won it every year. Um, but uh, I have a, a one of the coaches, my head coach actually played for UC, and he lost it one year. And we talked about it because I thought I was going to the game. And we talked about it. He had lost it. I'm like, dude, I don't know how he lost it. And they were bitter about it. Now they love that it's like so, quote unquote, uh, no contest. You know, but yeah. I mean, I think I think you keep it going just because of the tradition and for all the times that UC has lost it. You know, yeah, okay. yeah. Now it's like on a run, but I mean, you you keep it going for the guys that did lose it. I respect that. I, I, I like that. I like that point of view. Uh, you know, obviously that's one that I, I wouldn't have heard. And so I'm, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that you said that. Um, you maybe, maybe you've convinced me at least for the evening. Yeah. So, so you, you know, you, you mentioned here, uh, playing in big games. Uh, I mean, your four years was full of them. The, the Miami Florida game was big. Uh, you you put the the game, uh, the Ohio State game, uh, first yeah. time that they we'd played them for a while. Uh, big games that you played in the last, you played in the last game for the keg of nails, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That was at Nippert. Uh, at Nippert. That that was a hell of a game. We we came up short on that on Overtime. that time. Yeah, but that was, yeah, for so, I mean, you, I mean, other ranked teams uh, throughout the conference, uh, I mean, Houston, 
Um, like I said, Louisville. Um, uh, yeah, Houston, I think, was number six uh, your senior yeah, year. Number six, yes, sir. Um, so what, what do you think, you know, as – kind of looking forward here before we talk about the first two games what sort of week are the players going to have with indiana coming up um you know indiana they're one and one they lost to iowa unfortunately that might take a little bit of pressure off but uh you know what kind of week are, are players going to have looking forward to going to bloomington on, on saturday um, I mean, it's, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's Big Ten football. Um, everybody knows that the, the tradition that Big Ten football has. I think it's a big week for them, but I, I this is a team and a, a program that Luke Pickle is building. I mean, he, he's come from there and uh, he has that mindset and the players have that mindset and beyond. Um, and I just to say from what this past or yesterday, Saturday, um, they, they played the first half, I would say, played to the level of their conference, played down to the level of competition mm-hmm. uh, for the first half. So I think this is a this is a team that plays to the level of their competition, which in this aspect would be a good thing because people say Big Ten football is X, Y, Z, but they play to their potential and above. So. I think they look forward to a, a, a tough game, but I think it's the game that they win. Um, but and they're they're, they're locked in. Cause I, I I'm friends with still with a couple players. I mean, obviously Cole Smith coming from the same high school. Um, I I'm I'm confident, and I know they're confident, but they're putting the work in to be confident. If that makes sense. Well, yeah, for, for you know, at, at this level, you know, the the AP came out. That it looks like looks like they went back to number eight this week. Um, yes, but starting out in the top ten, you know, expectations I don't think have, have ever been higher for for a, a, any team in Bearcats history. You know, if you're not, I don't think if you're not putting the work in, you know, behind the scenes, I don't think any of that would would come to light. Um, yep. So you know, I think I think in that regard you're right. I, I think they they have that. But what do you what do you think of you know? You, I mean, even from from your playing days till now, it, it's it's a little more prominent. But how do you when you're a player? How do you turn or tune out all the outside noise, the rankings, the the ESPN highlights? You know, how do you turn out tune out the hype to focus on what you need to focus on? Um, because honestly, at the end of the day, I mean, it's football. And uh, you, you, that's something you've been doing, uh, especially in my, my case, your whole life. So you can deal with those. You know, at the end of the day, you got to put your pads on, put your pants on, put your helmet on. And uh, then you got to shop it all up. And you, you just got to play football and, and do your best. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's, for me, it was easy to tune out the noise. At the end of the day, I knew I wanted to win. And I want to beat the guy. I mean, I always had the, um, the mindset of winning my one-on-one battles. And that was just me being better outworking the guy in front of me. And that was because I love the game of football. And I know these guys love the game of football because it's a grind. It's a flat-out grind. Um, so that's, I mean, I think that's how you do it. You, you do it from the ground and, and the love of the game. 
so when when you're watching games now, um, are you are you? I guess how do you watch games now uh, when you're watching a UC game? Are you like I, I try to watch? You know, as I get to know football more and more and get to know the different players a little more on the team. You know, like I, I watch the offensive line more than I than I ever have in my life because that's that's a, you know a question that they that they've had uh, you know going into the in, into the season. I think special yeah, teams yeah. have been kind of iffy the first two games but you know when you're watching the game are you watching the position that you played you know are you watching the, the defensive backs or or how do you approach watching a game now um well now that i'm in coach now i approach the game as a coach I, I i i watch the game as scheme what are we trying to do okay what are they trying to do um what what coverage are we in what are they sending what front uh what is our main objective? So I, I kind of look at it as a whole, honestly, um, as far as just watching the defensive play or the defensive backs. I watch it as a whole um, just so I understand if something happened here, okay, why did it happen here? Oh, because something broke down here, elsewhere, you know? Mm-hmm. So I watch it as a whole. Um, I'm not really – so I critique it. I critique everything. Um but when I'm actually at the game, I, I honestly just enjoy the experience and just take it all in. Because um, that's like, I mean, since I've been a kid, this, this, these few years, these past years are like the first few years I've been able to actually sit and watch a game in person. Mm-hmm. So um, I literally just take it all in and enjoy it. But when I sit there, like say I'm watching a game on the screen, TV, Oh, I'm critiquing everything because you can at that point you can see everything. Right, right. Um, so I, I, it goes both ways. Um, I, I watch it as a, a fan, and then I also watch it as a, a coach, so to say. So, um, so something I want to ask you about here. So, on I, f- I feel as though in you know with today's uh, you know social media and everything, and the. Uh, uh, the YouTube series, the Let It Fly series. Did you watch that? Uh, that yes. you put out. Uh, so, yeah. so what you give me your reaction to that, and and what you thought about you know the UC version of, of Hard Knocks, basically. Oh, I I love it. Um, I was one of those guys that always uh, I always watch like videos, the video like the mic up video mm-hmm. that UC used to always post. Like and I was always asking like, why can't we make these a little bit longer? And yeah. I know it's a lot more content they can have. And, like, it's great content. Um, so, I mean, I, I definitely enjoy it, especially because I'm a big fan of Hard Knocks. Um, but then once your own school doing something similar, it's like, okay, yeah, now I'm really locked in. Uh, especially when they're out at higher ground or they're on campus. Like, yeah, I was there. I understand that. Like, I understand that lifestyle. But to see on the outside looking in now, it's it, it's really a great experience and a great excitement to be able to see that. Uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Zach. So I see a lot of like uh, former uh, UC basketball players uh, coming out to practice or shoot arounds and and being mm-hmm. involved with the team. Is it is it 
are, and I feel as though they, they kind of make it a point to make the, you know, the UC alum basketball players feel welcome and, and want to come back. Is that, is it the same way for football players? I feel, I just don't hear as much about them coming back oh, to practice. Yeah, it, it, yeah, no, it's definitely the same, you know, but you know, you got to think about there's a, there's a lot of UC football players that are now in the coaching game and, and with all the violations and whatnot, it's kind of hard. Okay. To do that on the football side, you know, sense, a lot yeah. of the basketball players coming back. I mean, they're still playing basketball, you know, and it's it's every year is probably like four or five that go off and then come back. So it's a smaller number, but no, there's the the love's there when when you come back for football, and I know it doesn't get that press, but it, that's fine. We don't we don't we don't look forward to that, but no, we definitely support and they support us coming back. They love when we come back. Um, as far as the program, um, being former players. So I know it doesn't seem like we get <laughs> that love and attention, but we definitely do. Um, so, yeah. yeah that's uh, good to know. That's, that you, that's, you bring up a good point with, with the coaching and stuff. So that's mm-hmm. a good point. I'm glad to hear that. Um, yes, yeah, sir. So, uh, Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that uh, that once your time was up at UC, you spent time with Tampa, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Is that correct? Yes, sir, and uh, the coach. I went to minicamp for both of them. Okay. So uh, tell us a little bit about that experience and, and what you took away from it. Um, What I took away from it was like it's that the next level, especially in NFL, is a different ballgame. Um. It was a great experience. Though. I mean, I, I can say I'm one of the few that actually had made it to even that point, you know. So that yeah. was a great experience for me. Um, and then to be able to be around guys like that I usually like watch on the TV that's doing what they love and making X amount of dollars doing it. And now I'm in this position to be able to have a chance to potentially do the same thing. It's like... It was beyond surreal, and it opened my eyes to a lot like this. These guys really put the work in. Not saying I didn't, but like these guys really put the work in to be where they at. And it's really 110% nothing but football. Like their life is football. Their job is football. Um, and I met a lot of great guys while I was there. I mean, speaking about like tonight, I mean, James Winston with the Saints now, but when I was down there for camp, he was there in the locker room, talking, like encouraging. I was like, dude, this dude's out here. Really, won a, uh, I think he did. He won the Heisman. I'm pretty sure he won the Heisman. He's a Heisman winner. He's out here starting quarterback for an NFL team, and now he's encouraging a guy like me. Like that's something you really, like, if you don't know, you really don't get to see that. You know? Yeah. So those experiences were. Really, like uh, I know I played against Ohio State, but like being um, in Indy while Hooker was there, that was like we're talking. I'm like, dude, you were a first round draft pick, and at, at this point in time, we're in the same room, you know. So right. I mean, it, it was it was it was an uplifting thing. I mean, it gave me um, it, it encouraged me, uh, and I had one of the owners. When I was leaving the ND camp, it, like, he literally pulled me aside individually and was like, just make sure you stay ready because the things that you've done while you were here were pretty impressive. And that, for me being who I am, like, I just left Tampa and now I'm 
go on to another mini camp and then have an owner come to me and say, it's like, okay. So some of the things I am doing, I'm like, okay, I, I kind of belong here, you know? For sure. So it was a great feeling. Well, that is, that's good stuff. I'm, I'm glad to hear that was all, all positive stuff. Um, so for, for, I mean, whether it's players uh, in, in high school or, or at UC or, or any of the, any of the levels in between, uh, you know, what advice are you giving to, would you be giving to kids, you know, to that they want to, you know, they want to end up you know, in those same rooms and same locker rooms that you were in. What's the advice that, that you give them now? Um, the advice I would give is to honestly stay true to yourself and then to also, if it's something that you want, you, you got to go get it because nobody's going to give it to you. Um, you got to go get it. And there's literally, when it comes down to there's no days off. Uh, take no plays off because once it's gone, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look back on the moment, I know there's, there's a couple moments like, I could have did this better. I could have went hard on and that's some advice I would give other players. Like, you don't want to be in that position to where I could have done this better. Nah, just, I would just give it my all, no matter what it is. And a lot of people think the classroom is essential, but it's, it's the little things that really count. And the classroom is a big thing that people try to make a little thing, especially in, at that level. Um, but, yeah, I honestly just 110%, 24-7, 365. And it, it, it can't change. Um, and that's really the advice I would give. It's as simple as that, honestly. Keep keeping it simple. I'm always a big fan of that. Um, let, let's let's uh, switch gears here uh, a little bit, Zach. We have um, Bearcats are two and zero. They've had mm-hmm. they had a very very strong showing uh, all around. I would say against Miami in Week One, uh, mm-hmm. def- definitely got off to a slow start uh, this past Saturday against Murray State. What are your, um, you know, just through the first two games, uh, what do you see? Uh, what do you like? And maybe, you know, what are some things that we should look to get better at? Um, I, what I like, I, I, I love the energy. I don't want to say like, I love the energy. Um, and I think that goes a long way in football. Um, I mean, I can't really tell you things I don't like. I mean, obviously the start against uh, Murray State, but I mean, I and I was telling uh, a couple of coworkers because they were talking to me like, "Oh, you guys are tired of something." Oh, they still think, "Yeah, I get it." I mean, you coming off of one the announcement of going or switching over to the Big Twelve. I mean, that's that's huge. Mm-hmm. And that's something they talked about when I was in school of switching conferences. Um, so I mean, that's huge. So you come off kind of that high, um, and there's, there's there's definitely other things that play their part in that. Um, but I mean, I don't, I feel no, I mean, you can always, there's always room for improvement. But I mean, what they're doing there, their trajectory is fantastic. Um, so I have no complaints about that or no um, suggestions about that. Because I mean, what the, the, what the, the trajectory they're on is the right one. And if those guys are hungry. Like, I mean, they're, the AC, but they're still hungry because they know there's more. I mean, they know the game last year against Georgia. They, they know there's more. They mm-hmm. know they they are better. You know, so 
Um, I'm I'm just really excited about the entire season, the entire program, and where the program is going. Well, since you uh, since you were on the defensive side of the ball, let's 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 start with that from this this past game. Um, Javon Hicks, Arquan Bush, and Sauce Gardner mm-hmm. they they each had an interception, which uh, yeah. winning the the turnover battle this week uh, was something I, I wanted wanted to look at and, and focus on. And I think I think we we had the three interceptions and two fumble recoveries. Was it? Uh, mm-hmm. we were, you know, plus five on the the turnover. Uh, in the turnover stats uh, yesterday, so I mean, it was it was great to see each one of those guys get an interception. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they all three were in the first half. What? Uh, so so that was big. And uh, uh, other than than those three with the interceptions, I thought um, Darian Beavers and Curtis Brooks stood out to me the most uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, oh yeah, I love it. Uh, Curtis was actually there. I think my series. Uh, and I, his work ethic was always crazy. So to see him doing the things that he's doing now is amazing. The, for yes, for sure. I think uh, I don't. I don't have the numbers here for the for the defense, but um, but I, I think that the. I mean, you know, they call them the black cats. Uh, even yep. with uh, the 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 de- the you know uh, Mike Tressel taking over for for Freeman, um, I, I think we'll, we'll get we'll get tested for real uh, come Saturday, but. Oh yeah, they're just they're tenacious. You know, everyone is. Uh, you know, uh, I forget what the saying is exactly, but it's like there's eleven guys on the ball the entire time. Like you know, on every Another possession hat for the ball. Yeah. yeah. So they, um, you know, they swarm the ball, and um, the energy that you mentioned that they play with is on point. And uh, uh, a lot of teams are. I don't think they're ready for uh, for the Bearcats' defense this year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. I mean, cause they they think with the departure of Freeman, which Freeman is a great guy. I'm really good friends with Freeman. Um, but I think that the the, the drop off is going to be. But I don't think so because I mean, the day the players are the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and they being under Freeman and under Sickle, they are ready for the challenge regardless. And I think him his departure gave him a little bit more fuel, <laughs> so to say. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we'll see how we'll see how much they they'll, they're going to add to that uh, on October second when they go up to to Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, I don't. Wanna, I'm excited for that one. Uh, same. I, I, I'm going to the game this week at Indiana. I unfortunately could not get tickets to the Notre Dame game, um, mm-hmm. but still looking forward to that. Um, hopefully, I, I don't think that the team will be looking past Indiana. Uh, no, I don't think so either. And I think they have a they have an off week in between the two, so I think that's going to help out a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think it's going to be a big a big week, a fun week. Um, but but getting back to this past Saturday, uh, defense uh, in the second half, I think it was it was a, kind of a tale of, of two halves. There, they they came out on fire in the second half, and uh, it didn't seem like they that the Murray State could move the ball or do anything once they came out. Mm-hmm. In the- uh, offensive side of the ball, uh, I mean, Jerome Ford had another stellar game, uh, 113 yeah. yards and three touchdowns. Uh, I, th- I thought they were just – I didn't think – I thought he was going to score all the touchdowns on the day. At one right. point, he, uh, he, I mean, he had the number and, and he had it going uh, for the second week in a row. Yeah. yeah um, he's, he, he's, he's, 
he was a great asset, especially with uh, the backs that have come out of UC. I mean, you got Jose Williams, who was stellar for us. You had Tion Green, who was great for us. You had Mike Boone, who was Mike great Boone, for us. Yeah. Yeah, and then you had Mike Warren, you had Dokes. I mean, and then for him to be able to transfer and, and, and command that position is, is just phenomenal. And uh, I know Bearcat Nation is thankful for that. Absolutely. I, um, you know, I, I just I should have looked this up before uh, the podcast, but I don't. I wonder who was the last running back to put up over 110 yards in back-to-back weeks. Back-to-back game, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll have to look that up. I, I, I wonder – I don't – that's a good – Yeah, I'm not sure. I know we had a – yeah, I'm not sure. I know we had like a three-headed monster with Jose and Keon Green and <laughs> Mike Boone. Right. Right, yeah. So, yeah, with them it was it was a little different. I, Mike Boone was – I think out of the three, for whatever reason, I, I, I always liked him the most. Um, mm-hmm. No, no specific reason really. I just thought, you know, I definitely thought he was a talented guy. Um, oh yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, out of the running, I mean, you see running backs. I mean, even going, you know, back a little bit uh, before those guys with Isaiah Pede and yeah, I mean, he was electric as well. Um, a guy you played with, uh, I don't know if he, I guess you wouldn't call him a running back, but I know he ran the ball a lot. Uh, Ralph David, David Abernathy, the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David. Yeah. Yeah. He, he ran the ball here and there. So running back position, I think, you know, Jerome Ford fits right in uh, with those guys. And I look for him to be doing this sort of thing week in, week out for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, Des, uh, he, he wasn't as good as week one, but I mean, still he had two forty three with two touchdowns and, right. and for the second week in a row, Tyler Scott, Led the wide receivers in in yards at least with with seventy four with four catches and one touchdown. That guy is crazy fast. Yeah, he's extremely fast. Yeah, um, it's scary. <laughs> so I mean, I, I I mean they can they do all kind of stuff now with like the sports uh, medicine and sports technology stuff like that. And I think they said uh, he topped out at like twenty one or twenty two miles an hour against Miami uh, in game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bob Mangine, Aaron, they're they're doing wonders with the sports medicine uh, side of things, um, and to be able to track things like that, that's just it, it's really you think about it, it's really crazy that you can be able to track that. Oh um, yeah, for sure. But they do a great job of all those things. All right, Zach. I, I want to be uh, I want to be respectful of your time here. Uh, I, I appreciate you answering these questions for us, give us giving us some insight on on you know what it's like for the players and and everything else that uh, that you've been able to to really highlight for us. I have two questions left here, and they might okay. be they might be the two toughest questions of the night. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. All right, first first question. So uh, UC opened up today. They opened up a three point favorite against Indiana. If if you if you're predicting a score for Saturday, what's it feel like to you? Uh, I think it's more than three. It went by more than three. Um, I say twenty eight seventeen. All right, twenty eight seventeen. That is, I'm gonna I'm writing that down so I don't forget it. Twenty eight seventeen says Zach. All right, we got it. All right, so here's here's the last question of the night. Um, 
So if you were this, well, what was it? Last year, if you were a resident of the state of Alabama, would you have voted for the now U.S. Senator Tommy Tuberville? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, my vote. I mean, I, no. I mean, I, I don't. I'm not a. I don't. I don't vote Republican. <laughs> All right. How? Uh, I mean, you know, good for him that that he. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. There. Wonderful. Good for him. That's. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's been entertaining since taking the job to say the least. Um, yeah. all right. That's, that's good stuff. I appreciate you entertaining. Me. Uh, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't vote Republican. Right. That's not where I'm at. Right. What, uh, so, so anything else, uh, I know what I want to ask you. I guess I do have one other thing. Um, since, uh, you know, since, uh, f- football at UC and, and going to the the mini camps and everything. What uh, what do you got going on now? Um, are are you still local here in Cincinnati? And and you know what are you focused on in life right now? Um, right now I'm actually coaching at Middletown back in my um, high school, um, okay. coaching football. Um, so I mean that's really my focus right now is the coaching game. Um, so I, I'm actually looking forward to growing with that because um, that's one of my, that's one of my main focus. Sorry about that. So Sorry. that's one of my main. That's one of my main focuses right now. Okay, all right, um, and that's where I'm at with it. Okay, very good, very good. Um, anything else you want to uh, to shout out, or, or anything else that uh, you know you want to you want to mention before we get off here? Um, other than that, no, we're good. Uh, other than go Bearcats, always. Absolutely, um, Zach. I don't. I'll while I have you here. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, the next Monday, the Monday after uh, the Indiana game, but uh, a guy that you probably know, uh, Jim Kelly Jr., uh, mm-hmm. him and I will be at Fretboard Brewing Company in Blue Ash doing a okay. live, doing a live podcast uh, and uh, talking about the game. Um, I tell everyone on every episode to uh, you know to remind them about it. If you're not doing anything and you're free, we'd love to see you out there. Okay. Yes, sir. I'll stop by. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, look forward to doing this again sometime. Uh, and until then, cheers and go Bearcats. Yeah, go Bearcats. All right. I want to thank my guests, Philip from the 1012 Network, as well as Zach Edwards for coming on the podcast. Uh, again, like I was telling him, uh, the live show with Jim Kelly Jr. is coming up. September 20th, uh, Monday at 7 p.m. at Fretboard Brewing Company. Come out, say hello, listen to the show, and grab a beer. Hopefully, maybe I'll see you in Indiana this Saturday. And until then, cheers and go Bearcats.